is A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar Dave. A happy Independence Day weekend as we celebrate America's founding 243 years ago on July 4, 1776. The general front and center, as always, I extend to you a long-ass greeting and salutation, a long-ass snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the Alpha, make America great again, and make masculinity great again. This past week, I attended the Premium Cigar Association convention. We had incredible, exclusive, on-show floor access in the booths, video coverage. If you missed any of it, go to CigarDave.com. You can catch up. Many new exciting developments in the world of cigars. I will give a full report next week. But today we present Encore presentation highlights from the first half of 2019. We will start off with some fantastic libations to enjoy. Command Center Alpha has gone green. No, not in the liberal, whack-job, pinko, commie, tree-hugging type way. It's St. Patrick's Day Aaron Gobra Whiskey Tasting Maneuvers on the Cigar Dave Show. Who's the wise guy that crossed out bra and put brazier on this script? Aaron Gobrazier. Nice. Voice talent Ed always brings a unique perspective to our St. Patrick's Day Irish Whiskey Tasting Maneuvers. There will be no new green deal anywhere within a 10,000-mile radius of Command Center Alpha. Tommy Diadio has rejoined us from Davidoff and Corona Cigars, Davidoff of Geneva Store and Lounge and Corona Cigars, Angel Benitez, Somadier Dave Cabanas, the general front and center. All right, we have sampled now a total of nine Irish whiskeys. We've got 24 on our list. We're going to try to hit as many as we can, but we've got some Irish cocktails. So Somadier Dave, next up. Well, we're going to do a Five Farms Irish Cream. Bailey sells tremendous in the market, so this is a new group that just came out with a Irish whiskey that solicits its cream from five different farms in the Cork County, Ireland. We'll say cheers. So this already is an Irish cream liqueur ready to go. Yes, but one thing people don't realize, there is no actual law on how much whiskey can be put into a Irish cream liqueur. The majority of them are under 1%. This actually has 10% Irish whiskey triple distilled. The dames would love this. Very sweet. Too yes. sweet for me, but the dames would love it. Angel? It's like dessert. It is like dessert. It's like eating, a, uh, yeah, almost like a chocolate cake. Yeah. It tastes like that Werther's. That, was it Werther's? How do you say it? Werther's. 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 Candy. Werther's, yeah, the toffee candy. Yeah, it gets butterscotch, yeah, marble, good. fondue, vanilla that's, bean. Yeah, not my thing. How much is a bottle of that? $30 a bottle, and it's put in this... Retro-looking. Yeah, it looks like an old milk bottle. Exactly. Yeah. So our first drink of the day will be the Irish Toast. The Irish 
toast. Right. I've heard of Cuban toast, but Irish toast. Tell Irish about, toast. Tell we're, me about it. We're doing an ounce of five farms and half ounce of Slane Castle whiskey. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Sweetness with kick. Yeah. You can also use Try the that, five gentlemen. farms in with Woo. coffee if you wanted to so do so with the liqueur. Yeah, a little this too is sweet not for me, you, but yeah, not me. But there are a lot of dames out there listening to your program oh, yeah. that would love this. All right, Irish coffee. Tommy, how do you make Irish coffee here at Davidoff of Geneva Store? Coffee, Lounge? Jameson, whipped cream, and uh, cream the mint on top. And, and you know cream. what? If you, you got a little sore throat going on, that's yeah. always good for you. Nice and hot. Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong with Hi, that. Toddy. Hot toddy. Now, Samadhi, Dave, you have a Gaelic... Alpha punch that you have, that you have got. So let me. You have it, or do you want me to? Uh, yeah, I do have it. I just got to find it here. Here it is. So the Gaelic, go back to taking a bottle of Slane Castle, with forty ounces of boiling water. Take three quarters of a cup of raw sugar. Then you'll take the strips of zest from six lemons. That's way too complicated for me, the zest. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll just take some lemon and put it in. How's that? Plus, then you take six thin lemon slices <coughs> studded with cloves of garlic for garnish, four cloves. Put it all together. It takes a couple of hours to do that. Sounds like a condom studded for her yeah. pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so you let it stand after you bring it all to a boil in that for about an hour to two hours. Okay, and that's it. That's it. All right, you got enjoy. a sample Smile. here. Let me take yeah. a little sip here. We'll say cheers on that. No strawbit. Oh, is that sweet? But that's delicious. Nice and it warm. Is. Very nice. I nice, like that. Nice presentation, But it's not too. as sweet yeah. as the Irish toast that we have. So no. that's why the alpha connotation, alpha males can still enjoy that. Very nice. And now you've got one other one, an Irish high... Is there another one that we have? A highball. Irish highball. Yeah, the Irish highball would be you take your Irish whiskey, whether it's Tullamore, Dew, Slane, whatever it would be, add ginger ale and a slice of lemon. Mm -hmm. And you're good to go. All right, now next up, I'm looking at some very interesting bottles. This has a more traditional feel to it. It's called the Irishman. The Irishman. Just relatively new, Samadier Dave? Uh, about a year and a half it's been on the market. So, again, we're seeing many more new Irish whiskeys that have finally come to market after the big expansion of distilleries in Ireland. Yes, you have. So what we're going to start off with is the Founders Reserve. You're going to get a lot of nice spicy zest on there, and it's going to be pot-stilled spice, malt, dark chocolate, bourbon, oak, and creme caramel. All right. It's going to have a nice long finish to it. All right. What do you think, Tommy? You just had it. I'm just pouring it now. I'll say cheers. I'm not getting any of those flavors in there. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, no. Not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's okay. Hey, yeah, it's goodbye. not. Goodbye. Yeah, I'm not. It's not. There's nothing like all the other Irish whiskeys that we sampled. Either had the sweetness, the sizzle. The, the the notes of sherry, the smoothness, this to me is just kind of eh, not doing much for me. It's the Walmart one was better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Was. <laughs> well, how much is this? This is $29. Yeah, uh, yeah the, and, and, and the Duhans was eight, 18 bucks. Yeah. 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 Almost a little bit of, like, bitterness to yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah, just, just flat. Yeah. yeah. Flat. Flat is what I would say. All right, Somalia Dave, we'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Okay, very good. we got a 12-year-old with it now. Okay. It's a single malt, 12-year-old. 
It's going to be full of rich flavors, sweet vanilla, of course, from the oak, some black peppercorns, and succulent fruit in the midsection. Should, yeah, this is a little better. Should be a full body on this one. Yeah, it is a fuller body. Yep, Tommy. That's, that one's better. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely better. Yeah, you know, you might get a little bit of cream, some dark chocolate to it. Mm. I'm just noticing it's more body, more complexity, a little bit more woodiness. Yeah. Angel, what do you think? Yeah. It still tingles the tongue. You get the spice. Yeah. So it's pretty good. All right, suggested retail on this? We're looking at $45. Okay, 40, again, still the Duens for 18 bucks, <laughs> or the Donegal Estate or the Slane Castle. To me, yeah. just love those. The Slane Castle was win. how much to buy you, Dave? Slane Castle was seventeen dollars. Seventeen wow. bucks. That's a win. That yeah. is a winner. I mean, I'm sorry, twenty five. Still, 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 still a, win. a winner. Still an absolute winner, no doubt about it. All right, so let's do this. Let's uh, try the Irishman small batch. We'll try that. They just. have a small batch single malt. Okay. It's going to have some on your nose ripe fruit, luscious peach, dried apricot. On the palate, you're going to get the vanilla sweetness, mm. granola, toasted almonds. But the finish should be long, lingering. Sounds Wait, like cereal. Cr crunchy granola. They're going to be wearing yep, Birkenstocks, too. When yeah. we, uh, no Birkenstocks here on the Cigar Dave Show. Let's take a sip here. This is the Irishman single malt. I got a little sweetness on the mm -hmm. finished palate. It's okay. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's light. But again, nothing that says, man, wow. got to yeah, have no. that. Yeah, it doesn't There's have no a wow, wow factor. factor to it. Yep. All right, so next up we're going to. What did that one cost? That one's forty-five dollars, yeah. also. Yeah, you know what? I'm not uh, the Irishman. We'll take off the list. I would say it's not bad. It's good, but not great. No. Not for no. the price. When you're looking at some others that are eighteen twenty-four, uh, that we other had that Tullamore Dew twenty-four, that Caribbean Cask can't go wrong with that. Can't go. Uh, just phenomenal. All right. So next up, we have the Kinahans. 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 Nice looking bottle. Very Beautiful light bottle. <clears throat> almost a straw. This reminds me almost <clears throat> of a. Champagne. It's a straw yellow color. Yeah, it's going to be light in flavor and light in color. It's going to be a small batch whiskey. Very nice. A lot of flavor profiles going in there. Some spice. American oak. You, you called it. Yeah. American oak. Yeah, it's got some oak. It's got a little bit of warmth, a little sizzle in there. <clears throat> very, very light. You're very looking light. at about $59 a bottle. Wow. Mm. You call that right off the Yeah, I don't like right off the bank. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's to me it's light, but again, when I look at the value proposition, yeah, compared to some of the others that we've tried, there's the adage that more expensive means better yeah. does not hold nope. does not apply in any way, shape, or form to these Irish whiskeys. That would pair nice with a cigar, though. That would. It's a Cinco de Mayo celebration, hosted by your Cinco Star General, Cigar Dave Cinco. Cha cha cha. I like that. Your Cinco Star Global General and Alpha Male in Chief globally, of course. The song, Tequila. Very famous in my hometown of Buffalo because during the Buffalo Sabres games, at one of the, during one of the breaks in play, there was a beer salesman known as the Earl of Bud, and he'd get on one of the, the rails and actually start dancing to this thing with the two beers and everything in hand. So the Earl of Bud in Buffalo, and today we enjoy our 29 different tequilas. We've got a lot to get to. So far, we've hit. This will be 11 as we uh, continue with Suerte, the extra Añejo. Very impressed with this Suerte. What's interesting, Somalia, Dave, is how there's all these. There's a Reposado. There's an Añejo. There's a Blanco. But everyone 
is slightly different, similar sure. to a cigar. None are sure. the exact same. Well, a lot of it has to do with the aging. Some are not aged within barrels at all. They're just stainless steel, or they just go right into the bottle. So you're going to get a particular flavor profile, and the longer you put it in a barrel, the nuances that come from the barrel, especially a whiskey barrel. Imagine whether it's Jack Daniels or whatever, all that interesting nuance. All right, so now we've got this Suerte Extra Añejo. This is yes. a limited edition, Somalia, Dave. Very. So and if it's good, I'm taking it with me. It's yours, General. Whether it's good or bad, you're good. <laughs> no, no, no. It's no. going if home it's with bad, you. No, if it's bad, it goes home with Sergeant Steve. <laughs> if it's good, it goes home with me. Oh, man. Now, this has got some maple notes yeah. on the nose. This is, oh. Because it's an extra Añejo. And a little over. bit of, I'm getting a little bit of oakiness, a little wood. Right. Over three years aged. Initially, it's going to be put in that brick. This oven is magnificent. For 52 hours and cooked. It wow. brings out all those flavors. And then by putting it in the barrel for three years, that's the results. This is magnificent. Again, very approachable. A mm-hmm. little bit more warmth, but not overpowering. I'll tell you, this is, a, this is going to get my five-star selection as well. And nice. I'll tell you why. The aroma is fabulous with the notes right. of maple. When you taste it, it's got the slight notes of maple, notes of, of the oak, of the Probably wood. Probably a little vanilla. little vanilla, but there's no bite. There's no, it's just a whoop, slight right. warmth, very pleasant all the way. So far, i got to tell you, this would be my favorite sipping well, that's tequila yours. without. This is mine. Put that in my special, got it. My special Steve, bag. Steve, you don't get it. Suggested retail somebody. Uh, you're looking at $47. Worth every penny. Very impressive. And again, relatively new to the market. Yes. And how's that Fair. doing in the marketplace? Okay. It, you know, it's trying to get someone educated through programs like yours. Thank you very much. To get them off of buying there every day. Realizing that if you spend a little bit extra money, it's really not that much more expensive. Due to the fact you're not buying mixers, you're not over drinking, you're consuming a better quality product. Drinking less of it, you're getting a better environment occasion. Well, tell the Suertes that it's got my five-star we'll recommendation, we'll and I expect a case of it at the Pleasure it's, Palace. It's on its way. Outstanding. Now we move into a very <laughs> unique line. We're, before yeah. we go to Herradura, we're going to go to the Viva 32. 32. XXXII, the right. 32 unique bottle. Yeah. This it, is very unique. It's organic. It's just tequila Joven. Hoven. Oh, Hoven, okay. Hoven's young. Young. Yeah, young. Love them young. Uh, no, we don't. Not a, they've got to be at least 18. Thank you very much. 17 below will get you 20. So, Somalia Dave, the harem must be a minimum of 18, 21 preferred. There you go. All right, now tell me about this Hoven. So, it's 100% blue agave. And it's blended with some three-year-old extra in Yeho. So it's a blend. Okay. It's going to go through a forge-stage cold filtration process. It's going to have a lot of flavor forward. A little lemon peel, white yeah. pepper, yerba bunya. This is surprising me. I thought this yeah. was going to be, you know, on the well, you unbalanced, have no idea unfinished. Because of the way the design looks. Yeah, the bottle though, is modern. It is ultra-modern, yeah. but... The aroma on this, a lot of lemon, a lot of lime, a little bit of, almost yeah. a little bit of um, a mustiness to it. But yeah. when you take a taste, 
It's clean. It's crisp. Mm -hmm. It has a medium to long finish. It does. As you smack your lips, you're bringing air in. You're getting more different nuances on those flavors. I may take that. Let's put that to the yeah. side for now. But that's pleasant. Suggested retail. Uh, you're looking at $35 a bottle. Now, that's nice. Again, that's so good as a Blanco, I wouldn't mix anything with that. Correct. That no. could be neat. Drink it like it is. In the summer, put a nice ice cube in there. You will be good to go. Now, next up, from Azunio, I'm Azunia. looking at It says USDA Organic Tequilas. Yes. Beautiful looking tequila bottles. 100% organic. We've tried these last year, too. We were really happy with them. They show very well. Azunia, 100% organic. As you'll see, more and more are going towards organic farming. Now, this almost, this Azunia Blanco, reminds me of a white dog unaged bourbon. Yeah. Or whiskey. It's got that corn, almost notes of corn, very sweet. You know, you're looking at something in the $36 range. It's as authentic of a tequila as tequila can be. All right. It's been oven roasted for 36 hours, two times distilled. Now we move to the Reposado again. Yes. Organic. I'll say cheers. You're looking at three monks in American oak with a touch of smokiness, Ooh, light got vanilla finish. I was just going to say vanilla smokiness yeah. on the palate. That's that barrel. This reminds me almost of an or a, a Scotch whiskey, almost with a little bit of that smokiness, but not overpowering. Right. Very, very pleasant. I would say this is also. I'm going to wait for the añejo. Yeah. But it, this could be in contention for a five-star selection. They suggest you sip it as a craft cocktail, such as the Mexican meal, which we have written down, or these. Mexican Sunrise. All right. Next up is the Añejo. Is going to be the Añejo. Now, this has got, on the nose, I'm getting a little orange peel on here. And I'm going to say cheers and take a sip. This one's aged 18 months in a barrel. You're going to get some really nice natural open-air fermentation flavors. This has got a, a, a lemony, almost tang to it. Not a lot of warmth. But lemony tang. So it's a different taste. I would say the Reposado I favor, but this Añejo is very, very nice. So that is very, very pleasant. Suggested retail. $44 a bottle. Okay, $44. Now we go to Herradura. Beautiful bottles. I was very impressed with some of the Herraduras we had last year, so I wanted you to bring all of them this year. Yes. Tell me about Herradura. So Herradura is part of Bron Foreman's portfolio. This is one of their... Tequila Expressions with El Hemador. They do a very nice job of it. What you'll have here is a 100% agave, which is aged for 45 days. Just like Tommy said, it can go a couple days yep. or 45. It's under the two-month period. Oh, nice. So, but you sweetness. do get a little bit mm -hmm. of vanilla and woody notes on it. I'm not getting a lot of woody, but I'm getting vanilla with some sweetness. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, very smooth. Yeah, I like this. This is nice. Suggested retail. Uh, you're looking at $39 a bottle. I'm a big fan of Herodura. I'm going to take that yeah, Herodura. We're going to add that to my to my list as well because that is very, very uh, impressive all the way. $39 bucks yeah. for a Herodura Silver. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up. So you have the Reposado, which is going to be in the barrel for 11 months. All right. This is the Reposado right in front of me. Again, it's got a new, unique horseshoe on here, so there's got to be some sort of horse connection yeah, th there. Yeah, it's a special commemorative 
bottle that they put oh, out. Nice. You know, for $41 a bottle, 11 months in American oak barrels, it's got some really oh, nice, nice flavors to it. Are they mm. the same? Wow. And Yeho. Oh, and Yeho. I like that. I'm going to take that, too. <laughs> that is so good. And that's a Reposado. That's yes. amazing. Only mm-hmm. a year, but it's got 11 great, months, yeah. 11 months, some fruitiness, some sweetness, a little molasses, I'm finding. Mm-hmm. Very, very pleasant. She's just at retail on this one. We're looking at $41 a bottle. All right, so 41 bucks a bottle. $2 more for the Reposado. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong. Nope. Cannot go wrong. Now we go to the Añejo. Añejo. And I'm looking at the bottle again. I'm not seeing it's. What's amazing is the Reposado looks darker than the Añejo. Yeah, I you know I I can't comment on that. But they again, both, both finished in the same barrel. I don't know what maybe type diff- of barrels they're using. Barrel. Maybe exactly. one's French, one's American bourbon. Exactly. Could be. But you know they're not going to add the caramel color yeah. it, because it then right. takes away from it being natural. I don't want any spirit that adds any sort of artificial color or, or natural fl- color. I just want the natural wood color. Now I'll say cheers on this. There you go. Wow, incredibly smooth. A lot of flavor to it too. I got to tell this is very. What's interesting, the Reposado and the Añejo are almost similar, but mm. I like the Reposado better. The longer it stays in the cast. Uh, it, get, it gets lighter, smoother, and it oozes that agave yeah, flavor. Suggested retail on that. Uh, you're looking at uh, $46 a bottle. Mm-hmm. Okay. To me, the $44, uh, or correction, the Heredura $46 uh, Reposado. Did we say 44 44 uh, 41 40. oh, It was $41. Oh, 41 41 Do I hear 42 41 And the Añejo was 46 you mm-hmm. said? Yes. Okay, to me... I like the Reposado for five bucks less. We're going to add that to my but collection. But people that as like well. the sip will like the Anejo. They do, but yeah. uh, to me, the Reposado uh, is I, more complex. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Blanco guy. Are you really? Then Reposado, I'm not a big Anejo or extra Anejo person. See, I normally like Anejo, yeah. but this Reposado is so flavorful with the yeah. expansion of flavors that I will add that. I'm going to make that a five star selection the Heradura Reposado. The July selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is an Aganorsa leaf sampler, including JFR Lunatic Habano. These gigantic sticks scream alpha with ring gauges as big as 80. The JFR Lunatic Habano is a medium-bodied smoke made with Aganorsa tobacco. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. 
to Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The Premium Cigar Association Convention and Trade Show wrapped up earlier this week. Four fantastic days. I received very little sleep, mingling, schmoozing, touring the manufacturer's booth to bring you all the information about the new cigars that you will start to see on your retailer shelves. I will have a full report next week. If you missed any of our exclusive video coverage, go to CigarDave.com or on the Cigar Dave mobile app. You can also watch all the video coverage on demand, including a 45-minute tour where I walk the entire show floor and you get a really good perspective of what the manufacturers and the retailers experience at the Premium Cigar Convention. Now we'll return to our Encore presentation highlights from Sun and Fun, the big air show that occurs in Central Florida in April, one of my favorite times of the year. As you enjoy that, I'm going to enjoy some more R&R. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard Alpha Army One with service to Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as your global aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave, has the controls. You are in absolute good hands. We're joined front and center on the flight line at Sun and Fun. We've got Captain Eric, and we've got two special guests, one repeat guest and one a... uh, guest virgin, if you will. First up, we've got Jason Shepard of M0A.com. And appropriate, we're playing Learning to Fly because, Jason, you have revolutionized, really, taken flight training into the 21st century. Building on the backs, we've got John and Martha King, who also were here. I'm sure you bought their tapes way back. Of course I did. VHS, that was huge. Don't have one anymore, VHS player, yes. But you have made the jump to the 21st century. And also, we've got uh, Stevo One Canivo, professional pilot and YouTuber. I'd, I'd say professional YouTuber as well. Great aviation adventures from the cockpit. I just saw you did one in a Cirrus and also in a, I want to say, Cessna Stationair coming from a very cool place in Georgia. Heaven's Landing. Heaven's Landing. We just went over oh, there yeah. and picked it Absolutely. up, and I said, I've got to watch his tape again because I want to fly in there, but it looks quite challenging. It's a great place to fly into. It was one of the most beautiful approaches I think I've ever done in my life. It was it was amazing. Definitely heavens on, heaven on Earth. <laughs> well, the, the gals that were at the Heavens uh, heavens uh, on Earth uh, booth well, yeah, were, they got, they got they were pretty, in the booth. They were, they were very <laughs> angelic, too. We're going to add them to the harem. So I want to get in both because both of you guys have really harnessed the 21st century. So... First up, Jason, we talked last year. I discovered you just doing a Google search, and I think I saw you over here, and I bought, actually it was the AOPA fly-in yes. at Peter O'Night Airport in you're Tampa, right, you're right. and I bought a couple of your books, 
And, you know, as pilots, as an aviator, we always want, just like a golfer, we want the best golf shot, the best landing available, and it's always a challenge. Every Captain Eric, you've yes. got 20,000 flight hours on the A330. Yes. Every landing, you want to be a greaser. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to do it for the pastures, but there's a little bit of, uh, you know, narcissism uh, involved in that as well. Right, guys? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A lot right. of narcissism. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, right. You know, like if I've had a landing, and I'm like, eh, that was about an eight. Passengers are like, what well, seemed okay to me? I go, we walked away from it. Yeah, right. sure, it was great. Right. But I want that 10. You don't even feel the mains touching down. You yeah. want that nose wheel off. And you provided a great, just free information yes. that I have learned on crosswinds and, and even communication. And a good pilot is a learning pilot. Always learning. You're exactly right, Dave. And, and you're right. We've we've harnessed the 21st century. Gone are VHS tapes. Even we don't. Many people don't even have DVD players now. Gone. So we're uploading all our content to YouTube. We have a freemium business model. I always say, if you love the free content we put out there, imagine the great paid content as well. So when you're doing a Google search for steep turns and slow flight and stalls and everything else, really to hold your hand. Did you have a fear of stalling, Dave? Or what was your what was your big struggle in your flight train? A lot of people are afraid of stalls or turning stalls, whatever that may be. Uh, turning stalls, you're always worried you're going to wing over. Oh yeah, Spin but it. I would say crosswind landings because yep. I had an instructor that really never he, he kind of taught me the slip you know method where uncoordinated flight I could never it's get tough. it. I go in the simulator with Captain Eric and my buddy Captain Cy. They're like, "What are you doing?" And I said. Well, I'm trying to cross control. They go, you you're it. in an Airbus, man. Grab it. <laughs> you're working it. Yep. too hard. Once I did that, all my crosswind landings, all of a sudden, everything just aha moment. It takes a no click problem. like that. And that's what we try to provide through our YouTube videos, the best of our ability, teaching these great tips. Someone struggles with landings. It's either about airspeed or where you're putting your eyes. You're too fast or too slow, or you're looking too close over the cowling, looking at that first centerline stripe. Take those eyes down that runway, right? If that ground's sneaking up on you. It's airspeed and eyes, the two big saviors of landings. And somebody that's watched your many of your, your uh, videos on YouTube, on the internet, you are your approach is the exact same way you and I talking as it is on video. And I think there is a very comforting, uh, big comforting factor for student pilots because you get that grip, that, you know, uh, uh, death grip. Yes. And let's face it, it's a lot of unknowns. And there's nothing worse than when an instructor says, we're going to do aerodynamic stalls and you don't know what's going on. Right. You have a great way of introducing students to new material and simplifying it. So at the end, you're like, I get it now. Yes. So really great job on that. What courses are available? We've got a lot of people saying, you know, I've, I've, I've always been interested in flying. Maybe I want to learn sure. to get my pilot's license. You have multiple courses Absolutely. available. A lot so, of free material, but absolutely. paid courses. Our paid courses, we go all the way actually from drones, earning your Part 107 commercial drone certificate, all the way up to being a CFI and eventually ATP. Which We're, is a certified flight instructor. Exactly. An ATP air transport pilot. So exactly. you have instrument on there as well. And of course, Private, you have commercial, everything multi, else in there. Multi-engine. Everything else everything. is included in there. And where I always tell people to start, and we talked about this last year, is I have a book, a free book actually called The Private Pilot Blueprint. It's everything I wish someone would have told me before I started my flight training, how to save time and money through the entire process and really kind of hold in their hand through all that. Finding a great flight instructor. Did you know you get the same blue certificate whether you fly in a Cessna 150 or you fly in that Cirrus? Whatever it may be, you have to find what best suits you, your budget, your time, and everything else like that, holding their hand through the process. Because aviation... People love it, but how do I get started? And that's the purpose of that book there. I learned to start learning to fly in college at Syracuse University. I think it was 1985. And I can tell you that my first in-flight instructor, I had him for 10 hours. I ended up going to the flight school saying, 
we're not on the same page. Yes. He doesn't communicate at all. I have no idea. The first time we're going out, we're doing steep turns and stalls. Very first flight. I don't know what's going on. Doesn't explain it. And the head of the flight school said, you got to be 100% comfortable. He said, I want you to talk to other uh, flight instructors. Saw one where we just connected, communicated. And he said, no, no, we're not doing stalls. We're not going to do steep turns. Let's just fly the airplane and just have a little fun. Yes. Learn basic turns. Let's take off, land. And then everything built from there. And that really set me on the right course. Steve-O, one Canevo. Yeah, thanks for having me on great board to, here, Cigar Dave. Great to have you on. i got to tell you that I've enjoyed your videos. I love just sitting in my uh, great room on my big screen TV, pulling up the YouTube app, subscribe to your channel, watching some great uh, great videos. I remember you had one where you had a lot of crosswinds going into the Bahamas. Yeah, 25. And you were working that yoke, and I'm like, Man, he's working too hard. Man, there's a lot of work going on there. <laughs> That's the thing with the Bahamas. You know, you don't have a lot of multiple runways to choose from. No, you, you don't. You got one. You're <laughs> and, uh, it. You're it. So tell us about your background. You're from Wisconsin originally. Where in Wisconsin? Grew up in Wisconsin, Eau Claire, and I uh, joined the Coast Guard to get out of the uh, Midwest. I like the ocean. I went, did four years in the Coast Guard. After I got out of there, I decided I want to start flying airplanes. Uh, I had the Montgomery GI Bill from in the, being in the military. Helped pay 60% of all my ratings after the private, which was really a big help. And, uh, you know, I, I really didn't even want to be do uh, aviation as a career when I first started. I just really liked, enjoyed flying airplanes. I always wanted to do it when I was a kid. So here was the opportunity to get this done. So, you know, I got my ratings all down in South Florida. And uh, the job opportunities just started coming along. And uh, it was something I really wanted to pursue and make a career out of, you know, after you start doing it. What year did you start flying? Uh, I think it was around 2006. What was the first plane you flew? Uh, 172. 172. I was 152. He's a 150. And I, I, as I, I t tell the story all the time, once I got my license, I said, I'm never going in a 152 again. <laughs> and I never have gone in a 152. And when I went to assess the 172, I, I said, wow, man, I've gone from a 152 to an L-1011. <laughs> I mean, this thing is huge compared. <laughs> big, big difference. So you started out, like a lot of people, 172. And tell us how you started to become a professional pilot. Yeah, I, I didn't go the traditional route. That was back when you could actually get hired. at. Uh, I started on a 121 regional airline out of South Florida. And uh, I started flying Metroliners as a co-pilot. I don't know if you know Metroliners. They're old and there's no autopilot. I call them a cigar airplane <laughs> yeah. because those Metroliners, that was the... Um, what was uh, who made that airplane again? Uh, Fairchild. Fairchild. Yeah. Fairchild. Exactly right. In fact, uh, the the Metroliner and there was another one that was uh, a friend of mine used to fly for a guy that just as a private plane. I'm trying to remember what that model was, the but he's the Merlin. He used to call it the Cigar Merlin because it looked like uh, a yeah. long giant Corona. Is what it looked like. As I enjoy R and R maneuvers on this Independence Day weekend, I hope you are enjoying your holiday weekend as well. We will continue with encore presentation highlights from the first half of the year on the Cigar Dave Show right around the corner. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. 
That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone, from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Membership in the Cigar Dave Officers Club has its privileges. We send you three cigars every month. Some are mild, some are medium, some are full, various ring gauges, and we have put a special series of cigars together for our July 2019 Officers Club selection. It comes to us from Aganor Salif, a Nicaraguan manufacturer that makes fantastic cigars. First up, you will get an Aganor Salif Habano. Beautiful cigar, Nicaraguan, beautiful Robusto, medium to full flavored, very rich, elegant premium cigar. And we've got two very unique cigars, supersized ring gauges from the Lunatic Habano series, the Lunatic Jackhammer, eight inches in length with a 60 ring gauge, and the Lunatic El Chiquito Habano, four and three quarters inches with a massive 70 ring gauge. Big ring gauges for July from Aganor Salif. Go to CigarDave.com, $22.95 per month, get you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Hope you are enjoying your Independence Day weekend as we celebrate America's founding 243 years ago. I am enjoying some well-deserved R&R after a busy few weeks, including attending the Premium Cigar Association Convention and Trade Show in Vegas, where I walked the floor, got very, very little sleep, but next week I'll have a full report on all the new cigar launches a ton of great cigars coming your way on retailer's shelves. Now we continue with our Encore presentation highlights. More from Sun and Fun, the big air show that occurs every April in mid-Florida. There's no such thing as lights off with our next guest. It is always lights on. John Lights On Leanhouts, the president and CEO of the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. Year eight lights. Great to have you back. The enthusiasm, the energy continues. Captain Eric lived in Tampa for 27 years. Yes. Has never been to a Sun and Fun. I made him come. I know, isn't it? And nice? what did you think, Captain Eric? I, Tell I, him. I, it's just like you said. Everybody is in such a good mood here. It's fantastic. <laughs> everybody in this area, well, of course, everybody from all over the nation are here. But, I mean, it's everybody needs to be here. It's fantastic. Everybody is here that's anybody. All right. And we're going to have, what, uh, when it wraps up, 300,000 people, something like that? Absolutely. They come from all over the world. Every state in the nation is represented here, whether it be coming in on the airliner or their own airplane or they're driving in. They come from all over. It's a phenomenal collection of great people that love the spirit of aviation, and we share that without limitations. This is Fun Central. This is Happy Town. This is aviation heaven. This is where you come to get your juices flowing and get re-energized in the world of aerospace. Aviation drives us. It makes the world smaller. It makes the world work, and we're the ones that making it fun while it's working. Lights, you need to work on your enthusiasm a little bit. It's kind of waned uh, over the last eight years, but we'll work on that, you know, for next year. Now, let's talk about really, you know, people come, they get this. Today, with all the security after 9-11, you can't just walk up on a tarmac and go next to an airplane. Here, people are touching airplanes. They're climbing into airplanes. They're on the flight line seeing these 
incredible aerobatic shows. They're in the exhibit booths. This is, there's nothing else like it. This starts really the uh, aviation season, if you will. But the great thing is this goes to a phenomenal cause, supporting the Aerospace Center for Excellence. Kids that take an, uh, really a an interest in aviation at a very young age, and we've got student Luke over here. Tell Student Luke, where do you hear this about his, his aviation ratings? Luke, tell us. Well, 18 years old, and I already have my private pilot's license and instrument rated about a month ago. Congratulations. Thank way you. to go. I mean, think about that, Lights. I don't know what age you started flying, but I would have loved to say at 18 I've got my instrument rating ready to go. Oh, well, no, none of us had the money for that. I was no still way. trying to pump gas just to put enough uh, fuel in my car to chase down my next girlfriend. So, yeah, there was, no, there was no money for that kind of flying stuff. And, that's, and you're absolutely right, Dave. The neat part about this is they all come here for the love of aviation, but at the end of the day, they're making a donation in the future. They're investing, they're investing in the aerospace industry by helping us provide pathways for these young men and women to get over that original expensive hurdle to get into the aviation world. But once you're over it, what we're finding is they get a private license to become an airframe and power plant mechanic or an avionics electrician or go into college. Once you get down that road, that one step forward, all of a sudden you, they start picking up steam and they'll take over and they get it done. But to get this is this event, this giant fundraiser fuels that jet carrying those kids, those young men and women, into the future of aerospace. Lights, even though sun and fun is one week, and I know you get no sleep during the week, that I know, <laughs> but this is a 52-week job. I mean, this, this is not, this is the 45th year, and I can tell you, the last eight years, every year gets bigger and better better attendance you're always improving it it never ends it can't because if you slow down for one second you're going to get passed and we're not in the business to beat anybody else out of the game we just want to make this the best enjoyable rewarding experience for anyone that loves aviation so we struggle with uh, all the things we do wrong during this so at the end of this event we're going to go back and figure out what could we have done better we get guests to give us ideas we see things we could do better and we start working on that day one for the next year's show is going to be monday morning when we close after the sunday night uh, 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 tail dragger but what you got to understand is this is a vibrant live exciting events center we are a koa campground now for 52 really? 51 weeks i didn't we, know that we are a fairgrounds for 51 weeks we are a convention center for 51 weeks we'll do a hundred events on this campus between now and the next year's show I had no idea. Give us some examples of some of the events that will go oh, on. Carlisle, Pennsylvania brings a four-day car show down here. They'll do 450 classic cars across the auction block in two days. Thousands of cars out here. Never knew that. 1,500 vendors selling car parts. We do a preempt to go to uh, the big AKC uh, dog show up in New York. They do the four-day event down here. The dogs that win here, they go there. We do gun show. And we refer to those as Armament Expos. Armament, Armament Expos. We, we, we say guns here on the Cigar Dave show. It's okay. <laughs> so we do gun shows. We'll do six gun shows that are three days long all throughout the year. We do uh, giant thousand-person weddings, receptions, company events out here. It just... We are the, the Wait a number. minute. I could have I had my bar mitzvah here. You could have <laughs> had knew? the bar mitzvah. <laughs> Who Get, knew? And guess what? This is where they do the Florida State Barbecue Championship. Oh, oh wait. Wow. When is that? Wow. That is the last weekend in January. All right. We're marking that down, Steve-O. <laughs> Sergeant Steve, we're coming back here. Lights, we're going to get all the info oh, for you. We're, we'll do a show. We want to come here. How many people? How many grillers? 35,000 people will come to the barbecue. It's a, it's a Friday afternoon, evening, and all day Saturday. And the competition is big bucks. Well, we have Myron Mixon, the number one barbecue in the world, was in here, and he didn't even win. You haven't met. <laughs> 
Colonel Ange from the Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations. When Colonel Ange comes down, look out, man. Nobody comes a close second. Was it always like this? No. Or under you? I got here in 2011. They were doing one event a year. One. The fly-in. One event. Now we do 100. Now the door, now the, the cash doors are, are flowing, and we have become what they call a social enterprise. So we have a capital company. We rent the facility. We make money, and we put it into a social event. It's called education, aerospace education for the students. That's why we're able to put in over $500,000 annually into scholarships. We're doing three private pilots a month. Who does that? Nobody does that. And it's all because everybody comes to this event. Guess how many people do all this? 27. 27 people on the payroll. So you are lean. We You're are a lean, lean, lean fighting machine. We dump down to fighter weight and we're kicking ass. All right? Now, let me ask you this. There's, when we come in, there is a school. There's an academy there. Isn't that's there our high school. school. That's the high school. Right. So that's how ours. many students are in the high school? 356 right now, of which of the 356 students, we've got 220 of them are in the Junior Air Force ROTC. That school is, an, is a academy. It's a workforce academy. It's all sciences. I'm sorry you couldn't you would want to go there because they don't have band, they don't have art, but you wouldn't so you wouldn't go there. I didn't go to band camp uh, <laughs> lights. Okay. Let's just get that straight. All right. No band camp for me. So those students and, and they're top quality. They all carry a two point seven five grade point or better. We have a hundred percent graduation. They all wear the uniform they chose to wear. They all have a chance for scholarships to fly, to fix and go to college. We give out uh, about five $5,000 scholarships every year, and once you get the first one, you get three more for three more years. So our students are able to leave here, go to college, and leave with, that's right, no debt, no debt, walking right into a great career in aviation. That is fantastic. What if somebody wants to get into aviation management? They're right here. Matter of fact, the school that Luke's going to has a, a professional course in aviation technician management. So they come out of here with their AMP license. They go over to the college. They learn how to manage it, and they can start their own AMP shop. Outstanding. So really, giving into the future and all the money's raised goes right back into aviation. Aviation education continuing. So all these students are going to come back. One of them may have your job down the road. When Let's you just, hope so. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you, you've got probably enough gas in the tank for about another 400 years, so you're good. <laughs> but when you say, you know what, I think I'm just going to kick back and uh, enjoy a little bit, do a little more flying. Because I know you were a military aviator. Yes, sir. 27 years of uh, Navy, K Navy, uh, Navy uh, aircraft carriers. You know, as I said, it's a haze gray and underway is the only way. So I spent 10, uh, 27 years, 10 cruises on uh, 10 different carriers all around, sailed on every ocean on the planet, been to every continent, and had a wonderful life meeting the best people all around the planet. Now, we did have an old saying that's up on the ready room board up there. It said, join the Navy, fly to exotic uh, countries, meet interesting people, and kill them. But you know, we only did if they were bad. Only if they were bad. <laughs> only if they were bad, exactly. And Lights, tell us how you got that nickname. We've talked about it before. Lights. <laughs> well, hey, you know, everybody's going to get a nickname sooner or later. The Navy doesn't let you pick your own because that wouldn't be fair. I'd be Viper, right? Well, that wasn't going to work. So my last name is Leadhouse. And they go, well, you know, that sounds an awful lot like a lighthouse. But wait a minute, you're making so many stupid mistakes. I think the lights are out in that house. We're going to call you Lights Out. Lights and Out. So I was Lights Out for about three years until I stopped making mistakes. Because you got to understand, in naval aviation, we're really brutal to each other. You just The debriefs from every mission, is they just, we chew each other up. But it makes you stronger, makes you better, makes you smarter, makes you more professional. So that part of that is they get, you give you a really bad name and you learn to you fight your way out of it. Because you're not going to get rid of it until you start getting smarter. Lights is what everybody calls. Nobody calls you John. No, it's lights. It's lights. Everybody's hey, I got to go lights again. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're like Tiger. I mean, nobody knows him by Elrod. What is it? Elrod, Eldrick, something. Yeah, Eldrick. Right. It's Tiger. It's it's lights. Thanks.
The Sun and Fun Air Show in Lakeland, always one of the highlights of the year. I love being around anything aviation-related and very much hope you enjoyed our aviation conversation. A little bit of a change of pace from the normal Cigar Dave Show program maneuvers. We have much more coming your way in the next hour as we continue with our Encore presentation highlights. I'm enjoying some well-deserved R&R after the Cigar Retailers Convention. And we have in the next hour some Cigar Masters interviews. So, Hour 2 of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way. If you missed any of our exclusive video coverage from the Cigar Retailers Convention earlier this week, go to CigarDave.com right now. Guarantee you will enjoy watching what the latest and greatest in the world of cigars shall be. Hour 2 of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. This is AMEN, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar Dave. Independence Day weekend 2019. Hope that you have thrown many steaks on the grill or hot dogs, burgers, any other fine quality animal products. You've enjoyed great cigars, great libations, all in a safe manner. As we enjoy Independence Day weekend maneuvers, I'm enjoying some R&R after attending the Premium Cigar Association convention in Vegas. Received very little sleep. I was whining, dining, schmoozing, touring the show floor to get you the information you need to know about the latest offerings in the world of cigars. Next week, I will have a full report. But in the meantime, we will continue our Encore presentation highlights this entire hour. We'll feature segments from our various Cigar Masters interviews. So puff on your cigar, sip on your libation, and enjoy. And we welcome back to our Cigar Master Series, Jim Colucci, the president of Syndicato Cigar, and just announced exclusively in the previous segment here on the Cigar Dave Show, was just named the president and chief operating officer of Gurkha Cigars. And Gurkha will now overhandle, uh, will oversee the, the sales of Syndicato as well. And Jim, we have featured the Syndicato, we did a vertical tasting, did a Syndicato sampler uh, last July, featuring the Sindicato Maduro, the Particulares, and the Cubico, which I want to get to. But the first brand that was launched, what is it now, about six years ago, I think, was the Affinity, correct? Yes. Uh, six. Well, a little less than six years ago, but uh, at the show in 2013, we launched Affinity. So in the IPCPR show in July of 2013, we launched the Affinity brand. Now, the Affinity comes in both a Connecticut, a Natural, and a Maduro. Right. Uh, the Maduro was, was just released in 2018, but the uh, Ecuador and Connecticut one has been uh, one of our best sellers since day one. Uh, obviously, if you remember, I told you when I was doing it, I felt that uh, while everybody else in the industry tries to come out first with a strong cigar, 
I knew that the bulk of the industry, people don't want to realize it, is really in the mild to medium, you know, and that's why we came out with the uh, Affinity, which is an Ecuador, Connecticut, with a uh, Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan and Dominican filler. It's very similar to a product I used to sell in my old company. Right. And in fact, you were the man that created the Romeo e Giulietta Reserva Real. You were in charge of uh, creating that. And I remember at the time you said, I need to come out with a mild, mild, medium cigar that could really yep. stand uh, up in the marketplace. And that has been a huge hit to this day. Yeah. I, you know, Romeo Real, uh, you know, with the Ecuador, Connecticut and Monte Cristo White were launched at the same time. Uh, little different blend in each one, but uh, Monte Cristo and, and the Romeo Real were, were both big hits by being with Ecuador, Connecticut. And, you know, we moved away from uh, Connecticut rap. Uh, I, I personally feel that the Connecticut, Ecuador, Connecticut is a, uh, has a lot more flavor to it. And also I think it looks better on a cigar as less blemishes and everything. And, uh, it's become a, one of the premier rappers. I mean, all the big guys, Best sales are in Ecuador, Connecticut, and, and it's been a winner for us with Affinity because it's priced right. We have it in the in the range of six dollars and fifty cents to eight dollars and twenty cents. So yeah, it's so in right that, in that, that value is, sweet spot. Right, like I said, it's a great cigar. Right, no question about it. Now the Affinity Maduro that you launched last year, Nicaraguan based uh, blend, ups the strength. Uh, got a nice Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, Nicaraguan filler and binder, so it's definitely got a little bit more oomph, a little bit more uh, zest, if you will, than the Affinity uh, Connecticut. Correct. Yeah, it's a little stronger, and uh, it's interesting. We, did, we didn't use the uh, Mexican Marone on this one, you know, because I felt I had the Mexican uh, Marone or San Andres Marone on the Sindicato Maduro, so I wanted to come out with a Connecticut broadleaf on the Affinity. You know, I I, I like Connecticut broadleaf. I think it's a great tasting. Uh, they got a lot product. of sweetness on the uh, on the yeah, you know, on the palate. Yeah, yeah, it's a little more sweeter I think than the uh, than the San Andres Marone. But I, I the San Andres Marone is a is still a great wrapper. It, and uh, you have to make you know they the, both people don't realize the. The Maduro wrappers, both the San Andres Marone and the uh, and the Connecticut Broadleaf, you meant you just mentioned the sweetness have a tendency to tame down the blend. So you must use a stronger blend to make a balance. Like just on on the Sindicato cigars, the blend on the Sindicato Maduro is much stronger than the uh, the the Corojo. However, when you put the me Mexican uh, Marone on it. Uh, it tends to put them almost at an even taste and uh, flavor profile because of the uh, the wrapper. Well, that's the perfect seg into uh, the next cigar that I want to talk about from Sindicato. Jim Colucci, the president of Sindicato Cigar, and now the newly announced president and chief operating officer of Gurkha Cigar, our guest today in our Cigar Masters series. Last July for the Cigar Dave Officers Club, we featured the Sindicato Maduro. But before we get into the Sindicato Maduro, let's just talk about the Sindicato Natural, which is an absolutely a delightful cigar. You know, just the pigtail on the cap, Beautiful stick, and that really, I think, also puts Sindicato on the map. Yeah, I, I, when we did this cigar, uh, I went to somebody I thought had probably the best Nicaraguan tobacco, and that's uh, Eduardo Fernandez of uh, Agonor Salif. At the time, 
he, you know, told me that he had this great uh, rapper, Corojo, that he had grown under shade. And he wanted me to look at it. And I looked at it. It was just gorgeous. I couldn't believe this was a rapper coming from uh, Nicaragua and that it was a Corojo. And that he had, it just looked beautiful. It had consistent color and everything. And it was light bulb. It, it kind of reminded me a lot of some of the Cuban rappers that I, I always loved. The light color and the taste was uh, perfection as far as I was concerned. And uh, Arsenio Ramos, may he rest in peace, uh, was there and he worked with me and he created a great blend. Uh, he created two blends, one that I felt was a little too strong for us in the beginning. And that was the one I told you that we took the blend on the, the second blend and put the Mexican Marone on it. And the Sindicato Maduro uh, with the uh, that wrapper and the stronger blend made the two cigars almost have the same kind of taste profile. Uh, but Dave, that that Corojo, it, it's just a gorgeous cigar, and the way they created that cigar and make it, uh, it's it's beyond me. I I just can't believe how, how, what a great factory they are. I mean, the factories in Nicaragua have have done such great things, all the factories down there. I mean, it's it's not surprising that they surpassed uh, Dominican Republic as the number one cigar country, you know, in America. Well, let's talk about one more time. So the, first of all, the wrapper, you have a shade-grown Corojo on the natural. Right. And mm -hmm. you have, uh, what, a, a Nicaragua, a Maduro, a, what's, what's the Maduro wrapper? The Maduro wrapper is uh, San Andres Maron. Okay. San Andre and Marone, which, as we know, the Torrents, and you go way back to them with, with Altadas, that right. rapper is, at one time, Jim, you had many people that said, oh, I'm not going to Mexican, forget Mexican tobacco, and there has been a huge renaissance. Now people are proud to say, I love that Mexican Marone wrapper, I want to get more of it. Now it's one of the most popular Maduro wrappers available, if you can get it. Yeah. You know, the Torrents now are, are so popular because of that rapper. You know, like you said before, I mean, it, it was always available on Tiamo Maduro's, but nobody wanted it. And, and it's really amazing what a few years, the difference. Now everybody wants their hands on it. Right. And uh, and the cost, obviously, as people, the demand goes up, the cost goes up. So, and same with uh, the Connecticut Broadleaf, the cost keeps going up, skyrocketing. As more and more people are making premium cigars with Connecticut broadleaf, uh, then they started switching to Connecticut broadleaf because the Mexican Marone was going up. It's funny how things happen. Demand changes pricing in the tobacco industry. And uh, no well, question. So getting back to the cigar, Dave, on on the on the natural or the Corojo wrapper, uh, it has a double binder from uh, Nicaragua, an Esteli and Candega binder. Okay. And the fillers are from from Condega and Jalapa and Esteli in the cigar. And the suggested retail, uh, Jim, ballpark uh, for the Sindicato and Sindicato Maduro? The Sindicato and Sindicato Maduro are priced exactly the same for both. It doesn't matter whether you buy the natural or the, the Maduro. And the price is, a B2, is $8.25 for the Corona to $9.95 for the 60 by 6 So you got a Robusto at $8.50, a Toro at $8.95. And the Magnum, the 60 by 6 at 995 for both natural or Maduro.
Willie Herrera joining us down from El Titan de Bronze down on Cayocho in Little Havana, Miami. Willie, great to have you on, my friend. Thank you, thank you. Good to be on, man. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad you got dressed up for the occasion today, by the way, Willie. (laughs) (laughs) Got all dressed up, did my hair, man. I'm telling you. Well, listen. We sent the makeup artist. We sent we sent the uh, the stylist. You know, we're 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 top shelf. We're big budget here at the Cigar Dave Show. But Willie, you and I have known each other a long time, and actually met you through your mother-in-law, Sandy Cobus, who owns El Titan de Bronze, and you were working there. But talk about how you got into the cigar industry, your background. Everybody knows now that you're the master blender and oversee many of the operations over at Drew Estate. But tell us how you got into the cigar industry way back. So I initially got started here basically helping out with the factory. So like you mentioned, Sandy's the owner of El Titan. But uh, early on, it was her parents, Carlos and Marta, who were running the operation. She was uh, working in another business. So on a week where the old man, Carlos, had gotten sick, they needed a male figure here to help out. And so I ended up taking a week off of vacation for, for my real job, which was banking. I had been at that point about seven years in banking. So I took a week vacation, worked a whole week here, and two weeks later, I quit the bank and started full-time here. <laughs> Just like that. So, Willie, were you a vice president at the bank? Because everybody's no. a vice president at a bank. I don't care no, what you no, are. No, man. Everybody's I, I a VP. Peon. I was a peon. I started off <laughs> Yeah, I but even peons are, are vice the, presidents. Uh, and then a head teller, and then I went into loans. And at that time, I was, I was in loans, processing loans and stuff. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with the industry. I mean, I had always been a smoker from a very early right. age. I really didn't know what I was smoking. I knew what I liked. and um, right. But I had no idea of what the culture was and the type of, of people you dealt with. Who were these smokers? And after a week here and, and, and dealing with, you know, all these consumers, these cigar enthusiasts, uh, shop owner, so on and so forth. I was like, man, this is so this is so much more relaxing than working in a bank. <laughs> Everybody came in well, happy. Nobody exactly. was ever upset. You know, it was great, man. And like I said, I put in my after that week, I put in my two weeks, and I started full time here. So that you had never blended before. You really never. were just kind of introduced to cigars just through your mother-in-law and really through that side of the family, knowing that they had that connection with El Titan de Bronze. So you never really grew up in the cigar industry, never no. blended, never rolled cigars. That was like never. your first introduction. That was it. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And then how I get into the whole blending part is, so like I said, I have been smoking for a number of of years already um but that's all i knew was i like this type of cigar i do not like this type of cigar so when i started full-time here uh, the they what have year was that really two that was in what year was that two, uh, man that was in the early 2000s okay 2002 2003 i knew that the two cigars that they had here their two cigars weren't for me they, they just didn't hit me right. I, I wasn't crazy about them. So I was constantly buying cigars, and that's what I would smoke here in the factory. Well, as you can imagine, you know, older Cuban general, uh, gentlemen and 
very proud of what they're making here. And, you know, at first they never said anything. But after a while, they started, you know, why are you smoking this? And why are you not smoking ours? And so on and so right. forth. So to no longer hear, you know, uh, I taught myself how to roll. I would look at our rollers and I would go and sit down and grab tobacco and then I'll stand up, look at them again. What are they doing? How are they doing it? I would go back and sit down. And I just started making cigars, learning how to make a cigar, how to fill a mold, how to make a smokable cigar, you know, that you could draw. It wasn't too tight or wasn't too loose. Then I learned how to put the wrapper on. And then once I knew how to make the full, you know, the whole thing from start to finish, Every day I would blend stuff. Every day I would go into the room and grab tobaccos, make a tabacchiao, smoke it, see what it tasted like, and then just make combinations. Okay, I think this will go good with this. I think this will work well with that. And that's really how it all started for me, just making stuff every day. And because we're in Little Havana, uh, there's a lot of foot traffic. A lot of people want to see what Little Havana is. Plus, at that time, you know, you had uh, El Credito, uh, Ernesto Pérez Carrillo, La Gloria Cubana, across the street from us. Uh, right next to them was, uh, at the time, uh, El Rey de los Habano, which is my father's cigars today. Uh, right. So you had a lot of people coming over here. Uh, to Little Havana to visit all these factories uh, that, you know, they were, were coming out with great cigars and great reviews, so on and so forth. So, as a result, a lot of people would cross the street to our little factory and see what we were about. And then a lot of the guys that came in and gals that came in, you know, I would talk to them because, uh, you know, I was working the counter as well. And, and if it wasn't your, you know, I, oh, I'm looking for a gift for, you know, my boss or I'm looking for a cigar as, you know, like memorabilia or so on and so forth. I would get a feel for the person. And, and if, to me, they sounded like they, they, they were the smoker. I'm like, hold on a second. And then I go in the back and grab something I have been working on and give it to them and let me know what you think, I would say. And a week later, two weeks later, I would get a phone call. And so still to Till this day, a lot of the house cigars that we still make are from a lot of those visits that came in visiting the factory. And I gave them something I have been working on. They loved it. And next thing you know, they were either the managers of a shop, the owners of a shop. And boom, you know, we started making a lot of private label stuff. And uh, that's, that's, that's basically how it started for me. You know, uh, just working with stuff to, in order to create something that I liked. So you basically about 15 years ago walk in to El Titan de Bronze, know nothing about the cigar industry, have never rolled a cigar, never blended a cigar. And over a matter of years, you end up learning to roll cigars, which is incredible. And there's some great craftsmen, uh, torcedores that are down at El Titan de Bronze. And then, then you learn how to blend and you were there for, or you still are there technically for 15 years. And all of a sudden now, you are well known in the industry where El Titan de Bronze becomes the epicenter of the Miami boutique cigar industry because El Credito, 
under Ernesto Perez Carrillo. He sells it. They're no longer really. I don't think they are manufacturing cigars in Miami anymore, across the street from you. I think that's that's done. No. Correct. We're 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 You're the it. only factory in Little Havana. I believe my father has a small operation in their warehouses in in the Doral. But right, in do. Little Havana, we are the only ones uh, producing cigars here in Miami. Right, and it is you've expanded. It's become you know, you're making for La Polina. You're making for uh, Chinook uh, Cellar. Yeah. Uh, Brian makes great cigars, and of course the famed LT Time de Bronze. Uh, yeah. What's that? And great wine. And great wine. That's right. Absolutely great wine over in California. So you mm-hmm. really become this the epicenter, and all these people come in. And then Jonathan Drew of Drew Estates comes in, and they want to make a cigar with you. No, no, they didn't want to make a cigar with us. Uh, so in 2000, I thought initially 2000, JD told me that that they wanted to that they were talking about making a cigar. They were broaching it with you. That part was something that came out later on, but after I was already on board. So in in late 2009, 2010, we start talks about what I thought about joining Drew Estate and basically having what I have here at Drew Estate kind of have, you know, uh, the, the concept was I would have a small group of boncheros and roleras. I would train them to make the cigars how we do them here, which is, you know, very different from the typical cigars that are made in Nicaragua. You know, we would do, uh, we here, Everything is entual. Everything has the mounted heads, the triple seam caps, which in Nicaragua and the Dominican, you really don't see that. It's, it's you know, the wrapper goes up all the way up, and it's, it's basically all one piece. So I talked the concept over with Sandy, my wife, and said, hey, what do you think? You know, they want me to move over there and kind of take it to the next level. And, you know, before I finished, they have packed my bags <laughs> and I was that off. Was it. And off. I started uh, with them in 2011. So, Willie, you become their master blender. You come down and what is Jonathan Drew? What is Snacky as he's known? Big Snacky. What does he tell you? What are your duties? What do you do when you get down to Nicaragua? He said, create a cigar, learn the tobaccos, take your time, create something you love, and we'll go from there. I just started working and and looking at the enormous amount of tobacco that Drew Estate had has and imagine you've been here you've seen how small we are at the time I left we had probably six different types of tobaccos I get to Drew Estate and you know it's hundreds of, of, of types of tobaccos so I needed to figure out what type of cigar did I want to uh release what type of cigar did i want to bring on you know to drew estate something different something unique something you know that fit you know that fitted me what 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 i was doing out of it done and the harassed was born alpha male pleasure maneuvers featuring encore presentation highlights will continue around the corner keep your cigar lit sip on your cocktail take a bite of your steak the cigar dave show continues 
The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is an Aganorsa Leaf Sampler, including the Aganorsa Leaf Habano. This mouth-watering Nicaraguan puro is loaded with full-bodied flavor. The Aganorsa Leaf Habano has spice and pepper notes with creamy sweetness on the finish. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The Premium Cigar Association convention in Vegas was fantastic. Cigar manufacturers launching many new cigars. I will have a complete report beginning on next week's edition of the Cigar Dave Show. If you are not a member, by the way, of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, while I was in Vegas, we've already set the lineup for 2019, 2020. We've got fantastic new cigars that we will be offering. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. If you're not a member, go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and you'll be enjoying many of the cigars that were just launched at the Cigar Retailers Convention in Vegas. Now we will go back to our Encore presentation highlights featuring many segments of our Cigar Masters interviews conducted throughout the first half of this year. And I should probably speak like Jim Nance from the tower at the 18th hole as we introduce Ed Lehman, just like being at the Masters. Ed, I'm going to speak slowly and quietly to give you the, the, really the deference that you deserve, being a very important cog in the General Cigar Wheel, celebrating the Cigar Masters series. Did you like that intro, especially with the music, the liner? It just fits nicely. Dave, I loved it. I'm very happy to be with you guys. Uh, I didn't know there was going to be tequila, you know, at twelve o'clock in the afternoon. But uh, but but maybe I can uh, make a quick text to to to, to get my anejo here as well. You know, but very happy well, to be here with you guys, Dave. 
Well, it's, it's great to have you. And last week we conducted uh, Cinco de Mayo tequila tasting maneuvers. We sampled, I think, 28 or 29 different tequilas. And this Suerte Extra Añejo, mm. which is a relatively new brand, phenomenal, reasonably priced, one of my five-star selections from all the tequilas we tasted last week, goes perfectly with the Excalibur. So when I see you, at the IPCPR Cigar Retailers Convention in Vegas the end of June, you and I are going to light up an Excalibur, and I will buy you a round of Suerte Extra Añejo at the Venetian or the Palazzo Bar. Whichever bar is uh, happening at the time, we'll do it. I love it, Dave. Thank you so much. All right, first up, I want to also say a big hello to your father, Jan Lehman who lives in Greenville, big cigar Dave show fan, a lieutenant in the Alpha Army. I remember last year I had to do a little recording for you in the General Cigar booth and uh, how's your dad doing? He's doing he's doing fantastic, Dave. Thanks for asking. I told him that I was going to be on with you this morning, you know, and uh, you know, I, there's there's uh, you know, through the text there was a hint of jealousy that that you know, like I get to uh, you know, spend spend the quality time with you guys, but uh but yes, he's been listening to your show for a while now. Uh, you know, very excited that that uh, I get the opportunity to uh, speak with you and and, and everybody involved. Uh, so, a big shout out to him in uh, in Greenville. Uh, hope he's doing well. Outstanding, Ed. Let's talk about your background. Uh, I think you've been with General what five, six, seven years, something along those lines. Well, uh, you know, funny enough, Dave. So I've been with General Cigar since two thousand and six. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. It's it's been a long time, you know. It's uh, as soon as as General Cigar moved down from North Carolina, to, or I'm sorry, from New York City to Virginia. Uh, right. That's that's really when I I popped on board. I'm very fortunate to uh, you know get this job. I was coming out of grad school. Uh, you know, had a passion for believe it or not, advertising. Spent a lot of money to get a degree in advertising, but realized that the creative ideas really come from the client, and so. I spent a lot of time trying to get in into various client roles, uh, but as a 26-year-old kid, uh, you know, in 2006, it was it's very hard. Uh, luckily for me, I was I was working uh, through in between my first and second year of grad school with a with a fellow that I became close with, and and he actually moved up to New York to be the in-house creative director for General Cigar. Uh, funny stories, you know, I was calling him and you know seeing how he was. And he's like, Ed, you're not going to believe this. General Cigar is moving back down to Richmond. I said, oh, that's great. You know, Brad, are you, are you coming too? He's like, no, I hate Richmond. I'm going to stay in New York. I said, okay. Right. Give me all of your contacts because this sounds very interesting, you know, very exciting. I didn't know much about cigars then, but, but there was just something that drew me to uh, wanting to reach out to them. Because, you know, as you know, Dave, not a lot of people from New York City would want to come down to Richmond, Virginia. So I knew that there was going to be openings. So, um the tenacity uh, that, that I possessed at the time, uh, I reached out to Brad for over a year and a half contacting people like Cooper Gardner and Bill Chillian, you know, sure. just saying, hey, listen, I'm interested in this. You know, I know that there's going to be a need, you know, just uh, keep me in consideration. And so for a year and a half, I would make things out of cigar boxes. I'd send them portfolios and resumes, articles to the point when they finally moved down, they're like, Ed, listen, we don't know whether to call the cops or hire you on the spot. So <laughs> luckily they hired me on the spot, you know, and uh, the rest is uh, the rest is history. So, you know, well over a decade into tobacco, um, I did step away for a few years to go work with Altria from 14 to 16. So really good experience there. But 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 in uh, in early 2017, I popped back to General Cigar uh, and it was a whole new a whole new era of, of Scandinavian Tobacco Group and General Cigar. 
Uh, I've been fortunate, if, if, you'll, if you'll say that, to, to see the, uh, the generational aspect of General Cigar as a company moving from the Daniel Nunez era to the Dan Carr era to the, to the, Regis, uh, the Regis era. So I have seen General Cigar sort of evolve throughout the years. And I think we're poised for very, very great things uh, moving forward, um, even with, with some uncertainties on the, on the horizon with FDA and other regulations. Uh, we're, we're really poised to move. We've got some really good energy. Uh, we're really focusing on the brands, I think, the way that we should. Um, and it's really you know, driven by the, the hobby and the passion that cigar consumers have uh, and us sort of watching the evolution of the, of the cigar consumer. You know, for an example, you talked about Excalibur. You know, Excalibur being around since about 1992, uh, really tied to Hoyt de Monterey and Frankie right. Neza. Frankie um, Neza, great guy, a master those, with working with tobacco. Oh my God, you know, Dave. I'm sure you have, but you know, with me being the brand manager for for Hoyo de Monterey, um, really looking at the history of how that brand was brought over from Cuba to Central America, <clears throat> Frankie Neza and Danny Blumenthal uh, and all those guys were were truly uh, pioneers. Uh, and I, and I'm really gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by this statement uh, for all of your listeners. Without Frankie Neza. You know, the Central American cigar, car- cigar culture would not be what it is today. They were the Agreed. ones that, 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 that trailblazed Honduras and Nicaragua with all the growing, the patriarchal growing families in Nicaragua. They brought the seeds over from Cuba. They had the That's foresight right. to plant that tobacco and create that culture there before the Cuban embargo even, even happened. Your close collaboration between the Oliva family, not yes. Oliva Cigar, but the Oliva Tobacco family here in Tampa. Angel Oliva Sr., who was very, very close with Frank, and they actually worked on that together. And you hit it right on the head. Nobody wanted to go down to Honduras and Nicaragua at the time. They were in third world. They were fifth world. But Frank did, and so did uh, Angel Oliva, and the rest is history. But yep. nobody could take average tobacco and turn it into absolute gold uh, like Frank Yaneza. And I will, a great story. I would always go see them. I've known Frank and his daughter, Carol, and, and uh, Tino Gonzalez, who mm-hmm. was partners with Frank. And when you would walk into their building here in, in West Tampa, their cigar, the Villazon factory, where one time they, they actually uh, made uh, machine-made cigars, you'd walk into their office, and it would be, it was unpretentious. You'd see Frank at one desk, and right by the side, there would be Tino at the other desk, and they would always have cigars lined up behind them. And they were always punch royal coronations. And mm. whenever I'd go to see Frank and Tino, I'd walk in, shake their hand. Frank would say, sit down. And before I could sit down, he'd say, you want a cigar? And before I could answer yes, he'd already be handing me a punch royal coronation from the tube. And they were so such unassuming men. And an interesting story about Frank I've got to relay that Carol, his daughter, told me. They had a worker there that had been there like 10 years. And she, all the tobacco processing was done in the basement. And Frank spent most of his time in the basement of this big cigar factory, working with the tobacco, checking the tobacco, smelling the tobacco, making sure it was bulked properly. So Carol happens to be talking with this one employee. And Frank walks by and you know says good morning. And the lady says, Carol, I've got a question. Who is that? I see him here all the time. She said, that's my father. That's Frank Yaneza. She couldn't believe it. He, he, there was the president, the co-owner of the company. He was so unassuming that, again, he wasn't the kind of guy that, 
you know, was in a, a big, fancy CEO corner office. He loved being around the tobacco. I think that those seeds that were planted then still remain today. And I know that you have that same passion for the brands, as did Frank Yanessa for the tobacco, as well as those great brands. Agreed. And I, I truly believe that Frank Yanessa created a Honduran profile, you know, with the creation of Punch and Huerta Monterey and Sancho Panza, Don Tomas. It truly is unique. You know, you know, Dave, you've seen the you've seen the progression in our industry go from what's hot Dominican, you know, to what's hot in Nicaragua. But but Honduras sure. often gets overlooked. But it does, it does have a, a very unique uh, profile and that was created by Yaneza, blended by Estela Padron. Like it's it's incredible if you peel back the layers of the story um, of Hatsa and Villazon, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, as a brand manager, I I'm looking at my arm, Dave, and I'm, I get goosebumps just talking about it because to be in this industry and, and to, and to be able to have the opportunity to work on brands that, that share that story is incredible for me. Yeah. And Frank was just such an incredible man, just so down to earth, very humble, opinionated, very opinionated and, and knew where you stood on things. But just one of the just the gems uh, in the world of cigars, and you know he just to him it was all about making great cigars. The tobacco wasn't into the accolades, wasn't into all of that. Right. In fact, there were times when I tried to get him on the show, and literally, you know, he would resist because he's like, I don't want the publicity. And right. I finally would tell Carol, Carol, I've got to archive your dad's you know, history, and we were able to get him on numerous times. And one of my favorite cigars that obviously I'm enjoying today, again, an oldie but goodie, a classic that goes back, I think, like you say, to 1992, somewhere in that area. When I started the show in 1995, the Excalibur, phenomenal cigar, and just incredibly smooth. I've got the number one, which I absolutely love. It's a big cigar, seven and a quarter inch by 54 you know, really, a, I would consider a Churchill-sized uh, cigar, just magnificent. The Connecticut shade wrapper on this is beautiful. It's extremely smooth. This is the kind of cigar that whether you like a full-flavored cigar or a mild-bodied cigar, this is just, the taste profile is fabulous. And sometimes with all the new brands that you've introduced, it gets kind of tossed to the wayside because people forget about it. It sure does. But that cigar that you're smoking, Dave, is the is is the undisputed king of Honduran cigars, right? That that blend embodies everything that was happening, you know, at that point in time. And you're right; it's not the Drew Estate, it's not the you know AJ Fernandez blend, but it is something that if you want to go back to you know again the king of Honduran cigars and experience you know what the industry used to taste like and should taste like, you can't go wrong with that Excalibur number one. Yeah, and the Maduro is magnificent as well. That's incredible. I love the number one. But after a great steak dinner, to me, the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur number one Maduro, absolutely magnificent. As I enjoy rest and relaxation pleasure maneuvers, we will have more Encore presentation highlights as the Cigar Dave Show continues. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. 
Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm gonna go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I gotta tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Membership in the Cigar Dave Officers Club has its privileges. We send you three cigars every month. Some are mild, some are medium, some are full, various ring gauges. And we have put a special series of cigars together for our July 2019 Officers Club selection. It comes to us from Aganor Salif, a Nicaraguan manufacturer that makes fantastic cigars. First up, you will get an Aganor Salif Habano. Beautiful cigar, Nicaraguan, beautiful Robusto medium to full flavored, very rich, elegant premium cigar. And we've got two very unique cigars, super size ring gauges from the Lunatic Habano series, the Lunatic Jackhammer, eight inches in length with a 60 ring gauge, and the Lunatic El Chiquito Habano, four and three quarters inches with a massive 70 ring gauge. Big ring gauges for July from Aganor Salif. Go to CigarDave.com, $22.95 per month, Get you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. I'm enjoying some well-deserved R&R after attending the Premium Cigar Association convention in Vegas. I hope you are enjoying your Independence Day weekend. I'm sure wherever you are, you've enjoyed some great cigars, libations, great grilling products, and great camaraderie and fellowship. That's what it is all about. We will now continue with our Encore presentation highlights featuring segments of our Cigar Masters interviews that we conducted throughout the first half of this year. But Lars Tettens was huge in the world of cigars for many years, even before the cigar renaissance that occurred around 1994, 1995, 1996. The original creator of the herbal and uh, botanical-infused cigars. They were so hot, so popular, could not get them. Retailers were clamoring for them. Consumers wanted them, patiently waited for them. One of the hottest names in cigars, and they were not inexpensive, even at the time. And then they went away, gone. Well, when I received the information earlier, or about a week ago, just over a week ago, that Alec Bradley Cigars and Alan Rubin had acquired the Lars Tetons brands, I immediately said to myself, I've got to get both men on because both men I know very well and have some great stories about Lars Tetons. So it is my pleasure to welcome to our Cigar Dave show, Microphones and Command Center Alpha, Alan Rubin, the founder of Alec Bradley Cigars and Lars Tetons of the eponymously named Lars Tetons Brands. First up, Alan, great to have you with us. Same with you, Lars. 
Dave, it's been a long time. I miss you, brother, and it's great to be talking with you again. Well, now you won't have to miss me since you're back in the world of cigars. That's right, baby. So, Alan, let's talk about this because Lars Tetton's big, big name, you, I think, started Alec Bradley, what, maybe is it 15 years, 17 years, something like that? I actually incorporated 96, but we really sold our first cigar in 1999. Thanks for being so quick on that answer, Alan. We appreciate that. You're really right on top of it today. I know you're into details there. No big deal. <laughs> All right. So, so you've been around for a while. So tell us, tell me how you and Lars first hooked up. Before we even get into how this whole deal transpired, how did you meet Lars? You know, I'm not sure the exact year, but somewhere around 12, 13, 14 years ago, you know, I, I've been a fan of Lars actually from before I got into the cigar business, but once I was in, I was just a, a huge fan of Lars's creativity. Um, if you follow him, you know that the guy is an amazing artist. His works sell for thousands of, you know, uh, I don't want to say hundreds of thousands, I don't know the range, but they're up there and his artwork. He's a, he's a chef. His leather works line, his leather goods line is, is unbelievable. Some of the best in the world. So he's truly a creative savant. I was just always a fan of his creativity. And like I said, somewhere between 12 and 14 years ago, I uh, I called a mutual friend up in the Northeast and said, hey, can you set up a meeting with Lars? I'd, I'd love just to get to know him and talk to him. And so we set up a meeting at a, at a little uh, tobacconist in Pennsylvania. And they had asked, well, what time do you want to meet? And I said, like, well, let's meet at 8 p.m. or 8.30 and they, Lars said 11. They, I was told back 11. So we went to the store at 11. 11 comes, Lars isn't there. 12, not there. 1 o'clock, Lars still isn't there. 2 o'clock in the morning, Lars shows up, knocks on the back door, opens it up, unloads his car, and makes me, pulls out a crock pot, and makes me lobster mac and cheese. Like I've never had in my life. Just spectacular. And we spoke till early, early in the morning. And it was just a, it, he was just everything I thought he would be. Um, he's honest and he's humble. And uh, he's, he's definitely the most interesting guy that I know. And uh, there was just a mutual respect for one another. And we've always kind of kept in touch and been tight throughout each other's careers. And, you know, ultimately one thing led to the other recently. Alan and I just had a kinship when we first met. We were very, very close, and I had a lot of major cigar companies want to acquire me, and uh, the only person I really, at the end of the day, who got me, understood me, was Alan. And also, he was like had you know his two sons that are coming up, Alec and Bradley, and they're great guys, and it was like more like a family, and that's really what I wanted to be part of is that kind of family business. That's what I've always liked throughout my life in my businesses. If you can't have fun and enjoy your your business and enjoy what you do, you know, it, it becomes a difficult, arduous thing to go through this life. 
All right, now many people, ours may not be familiar with you, your cigars, so let's give a brief background, brief introduction, because you are multi-talented. Alan talked about uh, your culinary skills, also an artist. I remember you were kind enough to give me a beautiful work of art, uh, cigars. So give us an idea of, of Lars Tetons for those that may not be familiar with who you are. Well, I don't know. I'm just a dude who likes to make stuff, and uh, I like making things. <laughs> that's what I like doing, and I like creating. And when I see something that's interesting, I like to get involved. I started smoking cigars when I was very young, and uh, I started making cigars in 1979, and I just uh, continued to rock on with that, and I really investigated where the origins of cigar making came from as far back as we could find them. And as far back as over 6,000 years ago, there were, you know, uh, stone cylinder molds for cigars in Venezuela over 6,000 years ago. And also statues of women tribal leaders smoking cigars over 6,000 years ago. So, you know, I studied that ancient way of making the cigars and uh, try to incorporate it into what I do today. Hard to believe the first half of 2019 is history. Hope you enjoyed many of the Encore presentation highlights we featured in today's Cigar Dave show as I enjoy some R&R after attending the Premium Cigar Association convention in Vegas. I'll have a full report next week on my travels and adventures and what I discovered on the show floor in Vegas. We'll also, coming up the remainder of 2019, have many more great interviews and features and tastings. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Happy Independence Day, America, the greatest nation on the planet.